We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. This was a backdrop for you to understand and be open and be able to be receptive to the word of God so you can do it. Hello? Is that okay? Some of you here have been in choir where X and Y are not talking to each other. But on Sunday morning, before we go into church service, we'll all hold hands and be praying. Jacob, our father moved tonight. Lord, don't let me go. The same way I came. One of the most overrated phrases in church, especially Pentecostal churches, is this phrase. Father, when we are done, our lives will never remain the same again. <laughs> that phrase is such a scam, Nelson. <laughs> It's so overrated. Your life, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Touch us, touch us, touch us. Touch your people. I'm carrying him. We need a touch from you. From where now? I'm carrying him. I'm sorry, sir. Your version of God is too small to touch me. So people are not sure whether to respond to this now. No, your version is too small. If all your God is offering me is a touch. I'm sorry, I'm too big. Pray for the next, pray for, anoint the next person, please. Come out here and touch the hand of the man of God. Let the man of God lay hands on you and I sit down there. And then you know how when they are praying for ordinary members, they touch your head. And then when they pray for a pastor, they touch his hand. Except if the pastor is your father in the Lord. Come and touch me. <laughs> you see, you see, listen. It's not pride. It's pride. <laughs> May you have understanding to understand. <laughs> It's not pride though, honestly. Honestly, it's not pride. Honestly, believe me, I promise. It's not, just, it's not pride, it's just, it's just pride. Because let him that boasts, boast in this. <laughs> it's not pride as in haughtiness. One touch, want a touch from you. Touch me. Touch me, Lord. One more time, you know. <laughs> Touch me. And people are convinced. And you go and you're on stage and you're singing, you're sleeping, you are even husband and wife having intercourse. And there's no forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a strong word because, first of all, the law did not favor forgiveness. In the old covenant, forgiveness, and I'm talking about interpersonal forgiveness now. Yeah? Even in, in, in God to man forgiveness in the Old Testament was only based, was conditional. All right? It was conditioned upon repentance. I mean, the, the world could be around you, could be dying for all God cared, but if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn away from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, I will hear and I will heal their land. Very conditional. Because there was no grace. Well, there was, but you had to find it. So it was conditional. Another conditional element of forgiveness was the term, we talked about that in the Great Exchange, atonement. 
which meant that in order for you to be let go, something else had to be punished in your place. So where the sin wasn't necessarily forgiven, somebody else just took the punishment for it. Another element of forgiveness in the Old Testament is a phrase that people still use till today, which sort of has its uses every now and then, is the word restitution. Which means if you took something, you must go and return it, or you must go and take something. So if you now stole somebody's virginity, I don't know how... How they used to restitute that kind of thing. So again, you see, you see, it's very easy to champion, stay with me now, it's very easy to champion a lot of things in, from the Bible until you arrive at an impasse where it's practically impossible for you to bring it about. At that point, you realize your theology is flawed. It's like the guys that argue blindly about God, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then by the time you start to tell them, okay, so you were in your period, you came to church, unclean. Till sunset, unclean. Everybody you touch, unclean. Every bed you lie on, unclean. Every chair you lie on, unclean. Everybody in your house that touches you during your period, unclean. Seven days of it, unclean. Or you're wearing jeans, different material. You're wearing polyester, different material, unclean. In your, in your farm, there's tomato. Those of you that do cocoa planting, you plant cocoa, you now mix plantain inside. You have broken the law. Because according to the law, you cannot plant two different plants in your, in your vineyard. You can't. You can't wear two different fabrics. You can't. If somebody raped you, the law says that that person is your husband. It's in your Bible. You see? Oh no, oh no, 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 no. That's what Bible means when it says that. No, what Jesus abolished was the ceremonial law. He kept the moral. Where do you see a, a dichotomy of the two? Wherever do you see a separation of the two? So people sit down and try to explain. That's what happens when people try to explain God away. Try to explain God away like it's some phenomenon that that evolves with human reasoning. No, he's constant. In whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. He's he's constant. It depends on what lenses you're seeing him with. He's constant. So you try and explain him away and try and make it. No, we, we don't keep the Ten Commandments. Hey, Pastor, what are you saying? If you sit down and understand the law of grace, Ten Commandments is a joke. We don't give according to the Old Testament. If you will give according to the law of grace, 10% you will weep. You would, you, would, you would hate yourself for how many years of your life you were only giving God 10%. If you understand the law of grace, it's deeper. It's deeper. Because you're overwhelmed with the love of God and realize there's no, nothing I can give that will be enough. That's why I always tell people, watch out for New Testament believers, Christ on display, people who are not givers. They are the scam. You are the scam. You are an embarrassment to the kingdom. If you understand the finished work and you struggle to give, when you were under the law, you faithfully gave 10%. Even when somebody was dying in the hospital, sir, they had money. They said, this money I have is tithe. If some of you know how much hurt you cost in the name of paying your tithe, you'll be so contrite. If you know how many people starved, how many people were thrown out of school? People that lost their houses because you had 10% that was tight. And your pastors told you if you ate it, the devourer would devour you. So now that you realize there's no devourer, you now yourself become your devourer. So we're not saying Ten Commandments, oh no, no. We're saying that the law of grace holds you to a higher standard. The law of the old covenant law was such that once a year you made atonement for your sin. Sin all you want, just atone for it once a year. The new covenant, we beloved, they that love God do not sin. 
For do you not know that you died and your lives are hid with Christ in God? It's a higher responsibility. Therefore, honor God with your body. So we don't, it's just lack of understanding. So forgiveness had to do with restitution. Look at Luke 17, verse 4. I'll do this very quickly. Luke 17 and verse 4. Is this helping anybody already? And if he sins, go back to verse 3. Let's see the context here. Take it to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Some of you like this. You know, some of us are very confrontational. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day, returns to you saying, I repent, you shall. Verse 5. So you see that it's just there in verse 4. Right? If he repents, forgive him. If he messes up seven times a day and comes back seven times and says, I repent, forgive him. Conversely, if he doesn't repent, don't forgive him. We can, we can infer that, right? So forgiveness, interpersonal, even God and man in the old covenant. By the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, until towards the last verse, was Old Testament. Yeah, don't confuse it. Zacchaeus, the only New Testament example of restitution is Old Testament. And he wasn't told to do it. He was moved to do it. In the same vein, a believer today can be moved to do something. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going ahead of myself. But it was, con- it was, con- it was conditional. If you, if you repent, forgive him. If he doesn't repent, don't forgive him. Some of you like that, right? Let, let me show you a few more examples. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, we'll do verse 12, we'll do verse 14, we'll do verse 15. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's Jesus teaching them, as it were, to pray. Somebody say them. Because I'm not in Matthew 6. He was teaching them to pray. Pray cross. No walk. How much more finished? He hadn't done anything. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 14. And we all know the Lord's Prayer. Come on, these kids were shouting it this morning and they had no clue what they were saying. For if you forgive men, this school, <laughs> for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Are you seeing how serious the matter is? 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, that's so bleak, isn't it? So a lot of you here are already in unforgiveness from God. Because you have not forgiven your brother their trespasses. Matthew 18. Very interesting narrative in 21. Holy Spirit, help me to do this in 20 minutes, man. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Keep going. Uh, uh, 21, 21, 21. Matthew 18, 21. Thank you. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which is 490. That does not mean you have a notebook for, for everybody in your life. You now draw Excel spreadsheet. Well, number one, two, three, four, four hundred and ninety. That you're jobless. You're very jobless. It 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 just means inf- infinitely. Yeah, oh, infinitely. As 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 many times. Don't count. Okay, let's go. So I've, I've straightened that out. Therefore, the was yeah, four hundred ninety. Now you have four hundred eighty-two left. I'm counting. <laughs> you now say your name is Samuel. Uh, your name is Samuel. For, sorry, what are your, what's your surname again? 
18. Okay, your own is not 400, it's your own is 390. It's somewhere Young's own that is. Let's keep going. 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, watch this carefully, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay his master, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that the payment (laughs) be made this is Jesus speaking Eh? before you call it New Testament (laughs) he should be sold his wife and children and all he had to pay the debt The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Contingent on his forgiveness, on his repentance, right? But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, not up to one talent of silver. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Keep going. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. See 32. Then his master after he had called him said to him, you wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt because you begged me. On the line, because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Keep going to 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. See verse 35, it gets even scarier. So my heavenly father will also do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Your heavenly father will take you to the torturers and they will punish you and you will work with hard labor until you pay what you owe. Don't ever open your mouth and say that forgiveness was unconditional. It has never been unconditional. There's always a price to be paid. I anticipated the silence. The word of God does not lie. The old covenant said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, life for life, blood for blood. Hmm. You want to keep the law? Keep it. Keep it. It's always been contingent on repentance. Old Testament, right? Matthew 18. In the New Testament, forgiveness is still conditional. (laughs) After the cross, it's still conditional. In fact, it's more conditional now. Than he was in the Old Testament. That's what I wanted to show you. You wonder how. You wonder what is the condition. And my answer to you is a question. Who is the condition? Forgiveness is conditional. A condition had to be met. For forgiveness to be meted out. In the New Testament, a condition still has to be met for forgiveness to be meted out. What is the condition? I know, sorry, scratch that. Who is the condition? And his name is Jesus Christ. So in the New Testament, you do not forgive somebody because they repented. The person that needs your forgiveness does not have to repent. Get it into your head. 
There are some of you witches and wizards in this room. Hear me carefully. I repeat, witches and wizards that believe you are you are you are a son of God. I'm not doubting it. <laughs> Do you understand? You're a son of God. You're saved. No problem. But honestly, you're a wizard. You're a witches and witchcraft. You know, you know why? Because you believe that grace saved you and all your sins are forgiven. But you refuse to forgive this person, one. And two, you are convinced God can never do anything good for this person because you withheld forgiveness. Yeah, which? And the narrative I've just pointed out is rampant in church. You believe because you're upset with somebody, the windows of heaven should shut over them. They can't prosper. They can't pass exam. They can't get good jobs. They shouldn't get good husbands. Because they broke your heart. They can't get good wives. Because they slept with you or your sister. Because you did an abortion for him. Because your business with him failed. So there's no way the grace of God that has appeared to you could possibly have appeared to your brother. That's witchcraft. And if you be honest with yourself, there's a lot of us like that in the body that have used our emotion to counsel out or so we think the grace of God from another person. You don't understand how funny God is. He will give you a chair on the high table and sit you down and be showing you how he's beautifying the life of the person and you are so, you are, it, it's eating you up like a cancer. You are so upset. You are frustrated that they, are in, they have served already. You are frustrated they have three children. You are frustrated they are going ahead in business. You are frustrated their name is emblazoned in light. You are frustrated that life is not treating them unkindly. You are, you are annoyed. You know what that is? The Jonah syndrome. God shows you mercy. God now says, I want to save Nineveh. You now say, no, I know you. If they hear the gospel, they will repent. If they repent, you forgive them. But they are Israel's arch enemies. They are Syrians. They deserve to be annihilated. No, no, I'm not preaching to them. After the whole fish saga, he went and preached they repented. Animals repented. When I studied Jonah, animals fasted. Was sackcloth and ashes. God knew it because God, it's not the nature of God to destroy. I told you there's the nature of God, there's the nature of God in Christ, and there's the nature of God that men attributed to him. It's not the nature of God to destroy. That's an attribute of God that men attributed to him. He wishes that none should perish but they also come to the knowledge of the truth second timothy i believe two verse four i dare about how god wishes that all men will be saved look for it and come to the knowledge of the truth how many men should be saved and all of them should come to the knowledge of the truth the grace of god has appeared to all men teaching them to forsake all ungodliness he's no respecter of persons what he did was for the world not for the church for the world so you are sat there and God is prospering them to your annoyance and you are eating up and you are there you are upset and God is prospering them because you are convinced the, the level to which they hurt you is the level to which God should punish them what they did against you my sister was this sin answer me when what a life that person that hurt you was it sin was it wrongdoing was it iniquity was it transgression where is it where is it it's paid for in full so the person that hurt you God factored that in the price that was paid meat the person that messed you up the person's sin is part of the redemption package so I'm sorry but you cannot withhold yours ma 
Because if you withhold your forgiveness, you are walking against Christ. You are anti-Christ. So at the point of you forgiving, it is you being Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? So forgiveness is is conditional. Who is the condition? Christ. So you forgive. And then philosophers, psychologists, and um, 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 motivational speakers, yeah, and therapists will tell you, you know, if you don't forgive, you cannot, you know, you 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 have to. There's no release. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll not be light. You know, you are carrying a lot of weight. And then preachers will also tell you, you know, if you don't forgive, you cannot go far in life. I mean, you, you can go as far, you key yourself in the, in the earth. That's your business, waiting for us in heaven. You're the one that decided to go early. Do you understand? Some of you, you're, I'm not afraid of your dying. <laughs> we will just be waiting for us. Because you are saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why for us, we're not afraid of death. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, what can he big deal? It's just that when you die before your time, you're the one that killed yourself. God didn't kill you. God didn't punish you for sin. It's double jeopardy. No. You messed about, you, you got into stuff and then you, your lungs got inflamed and you smoked it away or you drank it away. You now, you died. You killed yourself. God, if you're God, why? Why? When you were smoking, smoking and drinking. <laughs> You're not saying why, why? <laughs> You're consuming fire. <laughs> you didn't remember God. And I told you your lungs are black. You have three months to leave. God. That is why you are called Jehovah. You will die. <laughs> and it's not God that killed you. you kill yourself. that you die is not hell you went to do you understand don't confuse it the fact that you you short-circuited your earthly existence does not mean you are eternally lost i repeat the fact that you short-circuited your earthly existence does not mean you're eternally lost you're just going to wait for us you are just foolish you are just foolish so you short-circuited your existence God didn't kill you. Doesn't kill anybody. <laughs> so, just like our forgiveness from God, and that's not what I'm dealing with tonight, is conditional on the finished work of Christ. The unlimited forgiveness you enjoy now is because of what Christ did. So the unlimited forgiveness your brother should enjoy now is on the condition of what Christ did. Because what Christ did covered what your brother will do to you tomorrow. <sighs> did you hear what I said? Yes. I'm not even talking about what he has already done. Or what she has already done. I'm talking about the wrong that they will do to you tomorrow. Sorry, this night. It is forgiven. Every wrongdoing that is going to happen now is meeting a price paid. Deal with it. Oh, pastor, are you saying now that we can go around and be wronging people anyhow? You see why I say you're a witch and wizard? Because if that's all you heard, if that's all you heard, Chai, my brother, I'm sorry for you. I'm so sorry for you. Because no, it doesn't mean that. Just like we do not continue to mess up because we are forgiven. No, Ephesians 4.1, walk worthy of your calling. Put it up on the screen. Put it up in the, oh, when I said put it up on the screen, I remember the other one. Put it up on the screen. 
Yeah, yeah, I want to all them put it up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Let's hear how the message puts it. Uh, a message very quickly. In the light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here because I was in prison, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Walk worthy. NLT, walk worthy. Just verse 1. Walk worthy of your calling. Not walk worthy to get a calling. Lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have... You're not living a life to be called. You're living a life worthy of the calling you have been called. I mean, I call you honorable, whatever, because you have just been elected into the Cross River House of Assembly. We call you honorable something. And then when I tell you, live a honorable life. Duh. Live a life that is befitting a honorable. Not live in order to become honorable because you already are by election. And the means by which you are saved into the gospel is is the same mechanism, election. So on account of your election, what you have now been elected into walk worthy of it. It is the kingdom culture. So forgiveness is without limits and without choice. Tell your neighbors, look at them square in the eye. Tell them you owe it to me to forgive me. Tell the other person on the other side, you owe it to me. If you threatened your brother with it, you see why I say I witch? Because if you are saying like what you are saying is the way I would mess you up tonight, eh? The thing I would do here, eh? don't forgive me and see. A message say don't travel one path that leads nowhere. <laughs> now I'm glad you find it funny. I'm glad you see the humor in it, but this is the gospel. You cannot not forgive. And some of you are carrying years of hurt. Years of pain. You see the guy that abused you and your stomach churns. And because of that guy that abused you, every guy that comes around you is a suspect. You see, stay with me now. Be sensitive. Don't, don't. I'm just in a comedy show. I make you laugh, but I'm serious. You see the lady that dumped you. And every time you see how you're wondering why she's looking so fine. And so if you begin to measure success against how the person that hurt you is doing, you feel bad that somebody that should be dead appears to be doing well. Appears to be having a good relationship. Appears to have a good job. When you know that they copied all the exam that they wrote, you know that they don't know anything. You know. You know. We're unlocking deep streams right now. You know what you're struggling with. You know. You know. The person copied from you. You taught the person everything. Everything. You are the one that didn't compromise. And they messed up. They even rattled on you. You have siblings that will constantly make you look like the bad one to your father. And so they'll always pass you up on favor. And favor that other sibling. And you grow up with resentment and you wish them dead. And every time you're measuring your life against how they're doing and you're struggling and you know it and you're hoping that somehow God can just punish them for what they did wrong and you hate the fact that the price that paid for your sins paid for theirs too. At that point you understand that there is no hurt that you cannot forgive. In this same house there are some of you here that have this issue in this house in this house in this local church in this church I know some of you are visiting us but in this church there are some of you here that have issues with unforgiveness where you struggle to let go you want the cup of your wrath to be full 
if you don't address it, if you don't say it, if you don't give them a piece of your mind, it's not going to go down well. And you will come and sing. You will come and pray. You will come and say, I am a child of God. You say, I am becoming Christ. A man called Stephen was being stoned. After the price had been paid, he repeated what Jesus said. He said, do not count it against them. Forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And the same way the heavens opened over Jesus, the same way the heavens opened over Stephen, because that was a Christ on display. It was Christ right there on display after the fact. After the fact. He forgave. He didn't hold it against them. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me round this up. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. You see it there. Ephesians 4 32. And be kind to one another. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Before the cross, it was forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Before the cross, it was if you don't forgive your brother, your heavenly father will not forgive you. After the cross is forgive one another even as God in Christ forgave you. The condition is no longer repentance. The condition is no longer contrition. The condition is no longer they realize what they've done wrong. The condition is not even that they know that they've done wrong. The condition is Christ paid for that too. Tell anybody Christ paid for that too. Colossians 3 verse 13. Paul repeats the same thing to the Colossian church. Colossians 3 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you so also you must do message Colossians 3.13 I hear the gen is about going off again but hopefully we'll finish this before then be even tempered content (laughs) with second place quick to forgive an offense Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Forgive as quickly and as completely as the master forgave you. So you have no standing to withhold forgiveness. Every offense that comes into the life of a believer should meet forgiveness ready to be dispensed. I repeat, every offense that comes into the life of a believer should meet forgiveness ready to be dispensed. In the, or else you are not justified to say you are justified. I, I, I don't feel like I, I'm done, but I have to close. I repeat, or else you are not justified to say I am justified. You are justified because you have the confidence that God is never going to hold you accountable for any wrong you commit. Talk to me in this place. That's, that's justification. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. God has not given you a ministry of condemnation. But has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is the word of reconciliation. That God has reconciled us to himself and therefore we're telling the world be reconciled to the one who has reconciled you to himself. It will never, ever, ever, ever. God in Christ came into the world forgiving men their trespasses and not imputing sins against them. So God is not imputing sins to you. That's why you can confidently say, I am justified, even though you stumbled this morning. In the same vein, you cannot withhold that to your brother. You cannot count wrong against your brother if your own wrongs are not being counted against you. That's what I mean by you cannot be justified to say, I'm justified. You can't make that boast. Oh, pastor, what happens to people that continue to hurt us over and over and over and do it deliberately and do it deliberately and do it deliberately? Or you're asked to forgive over and over and over. There are some people that delight in being an extension of the devil. You cut them off. Romans 16. (laughs) 
So just in case you think I can do whatever I want and get away with it. You can't. Romans 16, 17. I'm done. I finish this and I'm done. Now I urge you, brethren, please look up here, to urge those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And do what to them? Do what to them? Do what to them? Keep going. For these who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly themselves. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Tell anybody, avoid such. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 6. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6. But we command you, but we what? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received. New Testament. Paul says we command you. First, First Corinthians 5. I'm just showing you the scriptures and I'm done. First Corinthians 5 verse 9. Is it helping anybody? I wrote to you my previous epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Keep going. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. <laughs> keep going. But now <laughs> I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your heart stay in verse 13 stay in verse 13 stay in verse 13 I'm, I'm fine there bear with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as God in Christ forgive you we're in 1st Corinthians 5 verse 9 wow First Corinthians 5. Is this worth your time? First Corinthians 5 verse 9. I'm done with this. I write to you, my friends, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Keep going. Yet I certainly do not mean those who are sexually immoral people of this world, for that would mean that you would have to go out. Keep going. Go ahead of me. I'm paraphrasing. Out of the world, verse 11. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Verse 12. For what have I to do with those, with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Those who are inside, we judge. And the words there, the, the, the tenses there do not, do not suggest something that somebody falls into. Galatians 6 1. Galatians 6 1. Brethren, I just want to prove that point to you. If any man is overtaken in any trespass, somebody say any. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves lest you also. Be tempted. So we have a responsibility to restore among us those that fall. Do you understand? So, so if this is the case, then the context of 1 Corinthians couldn't be anybody that falls. Avoid them. Are we together? It means one that makes a habit and names themselves after Christ, but makes a habit of living a sinful life when supposedly the sinful nature has been put to death. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what it means. Don't, don't even eat with them. So somebody comes and constantly is doing stuff at you. Constantly doing stuff. Like the story I told you about the prophet and the lady last week. It wasn't, it wasn't here on more sessions. Yeah, more sessions. Yeah, the, the prophet who raped a lady and then started coming back and saying, you know, God told him that he, he has a place for him in her life. You know, you, you, you cut such off. Hello? Titus 3 and verse 10. Write down Proverbs 22. If you're writing notes, write down Proverbs 22 verse 3 and Proverbs 27 verse 12. 
Titus 3 verse 10. See that. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. Knowing that such a person is warped. Is it in your Bible? <laughs> warped and being. Let's see it in the message. Verse 10 and 11. It's obvious. Verse 10. One, a quarrelsome person. Once or twice, but then done with him. It's obvious that such a person is out of line, rebellious against God. By persisting in divisiveness, he cuts himself off. Self-condemnation. Is this clear for you to understand? So you forgive everybody. You're doing that right now, right? Yeah? Dropping aside every weight, forgiving everybody. But you're also mindful of predators. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Proverbs 22 verse 3. Proverbs 27 verse 12. Proverbs 22 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Show us in the message. A prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. 27.12 Father, help us that your word has found entrance in the hearts of your people tonight. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple person and are punished. Same text. Two instances. We forgive, but we make sure we guard the gates of our heart. Do you understand? Let me rephrase that. We forgive and we make sure we guard the gates of our hearts, not but. Yeah? We forgive and guard the gates of our hearts. Is that helping anybody tonight? So let go of stuff. Let go. I've, this is, I've just kept it at periphery. I didn't go into the, the full uh, intricacies. Of maybe another time we'll talk about it, but, but let go. The word forgiveness in the Old Covenant means to, to let go, to pass over. To close something. To kill something. Let it go. Tonight. Bow your heads for a few moments tonight. Just just so you can meditate. So you can remember every person. Even by name tonight is okay. If you're not. If you can meditate without bowing your heads. You know what I mean. Just, just take a few moments tonight. And just think about stuff that has happened to you. And people that you have struggled with. Seeing them. Struggled with hearing from them. Struggled with letting go of the hurt and pain. And just right now determine in your heart that they are also forgiven of God. And that's intense, you know. <laughs> that's very intense. To know that they are also forgiven of God. And, and therefore you must forgive and let go. Your siblings, your brothers, your husband, wife, father, mother, teacher, lecturer, abuser, violator, ex-employer, lecturer. Neighbor, landlord, tenant. Understand that they are also forgiven and therefore you cannot withhold forgiveness from them. Because Christ did not withhold his forgiveness from them. Take a few seconds, just take that in and make a couple of decisions tonight. Thank you, Father, for forgiveness tonight. Thank you for the grace to let go, to wipe the slates clean, because that's what you did for all of us, including them that hurt us. Thank you that you teach us to make this a kingdom culture as we progress, that we never struggle to forgive. We thank you for the grace to do so. In Jesus' name. This is a good time to celebrate God and give him praise. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody feel feel better? Yeah. Just if you need to if you need to send a text, send a text. Okay. If you need to call someone, call someone. Yeah. It's very practical. Is that all right? 
If you want to do that now, do it now. If you want to, after the meeting, those of you that have domestic squabbles, you know, in intra-party squabble, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah? Sort it out tonight, right now. Is that okay? Walk up to the person, tell them, you know what, I forgive you. You know, is, is, is that, is, don't, don't add, it's not, it's, no, it's, it's just that what you did. No, no. It's not necessary. You don't need it. Do you understand? This is being practical. Do you understand? Just that I was very pained. No. It's okay. Christ paid for that too. This, this is when we are a word abiding house. If you hear this kind of message and you go away and you don't put it into practice, you are the kind of person that Paul is telling us to cut off and stay away from. I don't have time to hang around spiritual riffraffs. I don't have time. Scripture says cut such off. Avoid them. Withdraw from them. Amen? Amen. Okay. Amen? Amen? Act it out. Tell your neighbor, act it out. Act it out. Yeah. And when, they, when you text them and they reply and tell you, my friend, what is there to forgive? I don't even know what you're talking about. What's wrong with you? You see why I don't like you? You're so proud. There are people that will reply like that. It's fine. It's fine. They told Jesus, his blood be on our head and our children. They had no clue what they were saying. So people will reply and tell you stuff. It's okay. It's not the condition for your forgiving them is not their repentance. It's his finished work. So just give it out. Tell anybody, give it out. Yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah, give it out. Give it out. Text them, call them. If they reply, if they don't reply, you know how it's so annoying when you send WhatsApp, they see two blue ticks. You know they've seen it and they don't reply. I understand it is Oh, it hurts worse than hell. Hell doesn't hurt in that kind of circumstance. It hurts worse than hell. Just do what you must do. Obey the word and let it go. Is that all right? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.